This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah, just a quick introduction about myself. Um, like Brandon said, I'm a principal uh, artist at Turtle Rock Studios. Um, we work primarily on AAA games, but we've done VR stuff. Um, notable projects that they, they've worked on in the past is like Left 4 Dead and Evolve. Um, for me, I've worked in feature film, television, games, um, even simulation. Um, one of my first big game jobs was at EA. Um, then I transitioned to Zoic, went to Framestore, then Turtle Rock, then did a little feature film work at NPC and Digital Domain. Um, so some of the projects I've worked on in feature film, uh, recently I worked on Avengers Infinity War, which is super cool. Uh, Batman v Superman and Night at the Museum. Um, some of the video games I've worked on is Evolve and uh, Evolve Stage 2. Uh, and Madden NFL 25. So I just want to talk about like, uh, I guess what this whole presentation is going to be about. Um, I want to talk about how I got my foot in the door, um, what it's like lighting for games, what it's like lighting for films, and then kind of steps you could take to, to get into both industries. Um, so what do lighters do? Lighters drive the mood and tone of a scene. Um, they, they kind of craft and shape what viewers are looking at or, or gamers are looking at and where they're supposed to go. They help, help drive and uh, direct. Um, they're kind of like digital uh, directors of photography, I guess you could say. Um, use light and shadows and reflections, um, fog, things like that to help create depth and separation. Um, create visual interest using contrast, color, and composition. And a lot of times, you know, we'll, we, we usually try to draw inspiration from real life, um, real lighting phenomena. So uh, things like caustics, balanced light, um, all that kind of stuff we use as like tools to help help uh, craft things, make them look believable. Um, so here's like a quick like comparison of like where we've come kind of as an industry with film. So this screen shot on the left is like one of our first animated movies, Toy Story, and then Toy Story 4. So you can see like the models aren't too different, actually. Um, a lot of what's changed is the rendering and the lighting and the way they've, they're mimicking how cameras uh, function. So uh, you have things like bokeh, so things like depth of field and stuff. Um, you have rim lights and bounce light, whereas in Toy Story 1, you know, it's, it's pretty flat. Um, so that's a film comparison. Here's a game comparison. So here's Uncharted 1 on the left and Uncharted 4 on the right. Um, you know, they're using tools like Silhouette, uh, purposely placing the camera here during this climb so that the character silhouettes against a bright background or on the left, you know, it's, it's kind of a limitation of the hardware and um, also just, you know, probably not having real lighting artists go in and, and craft that stuff. A lot of times back in the day, it was just environment guys. So lighting is super important for both film and games. And it's kind of what's helped push a lot of that stuff forward. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about lighting for games. Uh, I kind of got into it in the first place. I went to school at UCF in Florida um, and got a degree in digital media and thought I was going to do the feature animation thing, but I actually started falling in love uh, with games. So I, I went into their master's program uh, at FIA, which is still part of UCF. And uh, they had like an interactive entertainment course. And I was like the only dude interested in lighting. Like everybody else wanted to be character or environment guys, but I always loved lighting. Uh, so I dug deep into that and any kind of projects we had going around uh, at the studio, like I always wanted to be the one to help do the lighting for them. Uh, so I, you know, really try to push my portfolio, um, start networking, stuff like that. Um, I did do an internship at a motion graphics studio uh, during my time at school. So, you know, really just trying to get my foot in the door and get some experience. Um, so I did an internship at a studio called Davis Studios. 
they do mostly mostly like title sequences and stuff. So I was doing rotoscoping work, um, like plate cleanup stuff. Um, then I transitioned to a simulation company. So that was kind of my first job doing real time stuff. Um, I got to model texture uh, and light simulators for like military and drone work and stuff. Um, so I was doing all that stuff while I was in school. Um, but when I graduated, uh, it was kind of rough. Like I, you know, applied everywhere and, you know, as a student, usually your portfolio is not the best. You don't have any professional work or anything really. Uh, so I just started really focusing on crafting a portfolio and, uh, trying to do more real time stuff, uh, collaborating with people, um, just to, to get some kind of, uh, portfolio that was shown that I could do real time work. Um, but I started networking and, uh, the lead lighting artist on Madden, um, came into our school and did like a talk, uh, Joe Warren, who's still like a good buddy of mine now. Um, he, you know, me and him connected. And since I was the only lighting guy, he kind of took an interest and we talked a lot. And when a lighting position, like an associate lighting position opened up at EA, uh, I was able to scoop that, um, which is super awesome. So a lot of it was just networking, um, being at the right place at the right time and stuff. So, um, so day to day for lighting artists and games, uh, most of the time you're just lighting environments. So you're, you're gathering reference and you're, you know, you have an entire scene to compose and, uh, you know, set up, you're working with designers and stuff to, uh, make sure that gameplay, um, you know, is accounted for and that you're leading the players where they're supposed to go, stuff like that. So you're lighting maps, you're tuning like volumetric fog and effects, um, color grading the whole image, uh, definitely optimizing. So you can see in the screenshot, even with, uh, Goliath from evolve, uh, he's got like a firelight next to him, but it doesn't cast shadows. So, you know, you have to like make choices like that, uh, as a lighter, a lot of times because performance just, you know, it can't handle fully shadow casting ray trace lights yet. Um, so a lot of it's optimizing and making sure you're in budget. Um, debugging things. A lot of times there'll be bugs, um, lights doing weird stuff or uh, light maps not breaking properly. So a lot of it's debugging stuff and knowing how to do that. Um, play testing the games, um, especially at Turtle Rock. We play test the crap out of our games uh, and are just constantly iterating on stuff. So play testing is a big part of it. And then just pushing the quality, like up to the very end, you know, as a lighting artist, you're kind of able to really, really push, 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 uh, until ship really, um, to get the quality where it's at while still maintaining performance, you know? So if we want, you know, less shadow casting stuff here because we have a hero area, you know, we might make those kind of sacrifices. Um, here's another shot from evolve. Uh, so collaboration, collaboration is huge in video games. Um, I'm constantly getting out of my desk and going and talking to other departments. Uh, I collaborate with designers. So if there's, you know, an important uh, blocker or something like that for sight lines, but we still want light to come through. Maybe we can ask it, are, are we able to punch a hole in the wall or something like that to bring in some natural light? Um, so you constantly work with those people to see, you know, are there things that we can push and pull to make the lighting better? Um, and then what's important for the map. So where do we want players to go? What's the story beat? Uh, how they, sh how should they feel in this area? Should it be like dark and moody or should it be, you know, inspiring and exciting? So you're constantly, you know, collaborating with those guys, uh, rendering programmers, because they're the ones who make everything possible. They're the ones who, uh, you know, give you features and, and help you, uh, get tools, uh, the tech artists as well, um, get tools and stuff to, to really push the lighting. They're the ones who make all the tech, um, character artists. A lot of times you help character artists with shading or, uh, materials and textures and, uh, like what their setup would be. So they light properly. Um, visual effects artists, a lot of VFX kind of add to the entire image. So, you know, they help with the ambience and the mood of the, of the environment. So it's very important to work with those guys. Uh, environment artists are probably who I work with the most. So those are the world builders, the guys who are composing the scenes. So we, you know, a lot of times we'll go together and block stuff out. Um, I'll block stuff out with lighting and we just go back and forth a lot um, to make sure the level looks as good as it can. And then the art director, of course. So the art director, you know, he's got the big vision and you're trying to help sell that vision. Um, a lot of times I do stuff like make marketing renders, um, UI renders, 
stuff like that that you know you might have in main menus and whatnot. Um, and then a big thing that I've been doing, at least at Turtle Rock, is helping maintain uh, consistent texture standards. So you know, a lot of times people might have albedos that are too dark, or uh, you know, base color textures that are too dark, uh, or their roughness values might be out of range for what the material type is. So a lot of times, you know, because materials go hand in hand with lights, um, that's something that working in feature film has helped me with a lot because everything's so physically accurate um, in film. I've been able to bring that knowledge over to games and kind of help elevate, um, you know, what like our textures and materials and stuff will look like. Um, some technical knowledge stuff. So people who've worked in feature film, a lot of these things you've probably never heard of, like draw calls and like spherical harmonic probes. Um, there's a lot of technical things uh, that we have in video games to fake things that we don't have to fake in feature film. So uh, yeah, a lot of stuff is profiling your image. So checking what the stats are for your GPU, for your CPU, and like what your costs are for your lights. Cause every light has a cost and this thing's got to run at a frame rate where nerdos can be happy, uh, shooting people and stuff. So it's gotta be at least 30 frames per second. Most people want 60 frames per second these days. Um, so yeah, a lot of it's just profiling, debugging, um, getting stuff into a good performance range. And then trying to use these tricks uh, to make the, the image look better. So using cube maps and reflection captures and screen space ambient occlusion, uh, screen space post processes like, uh, you know, depth of field and stuff like that. It's, it's a bunch of things that just kind of all come together to help it run uh, and look good. Uh, being able to debug why models light strangely is really important. There's a lot of times like I'll open up a scene and something's just black or it's got artifacting on it. So being able to open up someone's model and see if the normals are bad, um, see if there's bad light map EVs, all that kind of stuff is super important. Um, it's also really important to familiarize yourself with how game engines do render passes and make good choices with your render programmers based on what kind of game you're making uh, to stay within budgets. Because uh, you know Forza might have a very different uh, lighting pipeline and setup than something like Battlefield, where there's like 60, uh, you know, players on screen at the same time. Um, and then working within constraints, like in feature film, a lot of times you don't have as many constraints. I mean, the constraint is really time with film. Uh, you know, you want to make sure your render times aren't crazy on the render farm and stuff. But um, for the most part, you know, you're able to render millions and millions of polygons and uh, have tons of shadow casting lights everywhere. And it's okay, but in, in video games, it's, it's a lot more constrained than that. So working within those constraints is uh, something that's kind of a learning curve. Um, luckily, though, there's tons of resources. Uh, Unreal Engine is what we've been using at work, and their documentation is, like, stellar. Like, they really deep dive into a lot of different features. And if you just want, like, a broad overview, this rendering overview one here is, is excellent, and that's on their main uh, documentation page. Um, so there's tons of things that you just dive into and learn uh, just from digging around. So, and plus the engines are free now. You can download Unity and Unreal Engine for free. So there's like no excuse not to just like jump in, play around. They have sample scenes where you can jump in and kind of see what lighting artists have done and uh, why they made certain choices. Um, so it's, it's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and it's a great time to get into lighting uh, in real time for sure. Um, so for getting a job in games, uh, I would do just that. I would download one of those game engines, bang out some real-time scenes. Um, there's tons of free assets. There's characters you can uh, practice with. There's environments. There's ones you can purchase, but there's also ones that are free. Um, I would definitely showcase your ability to you know, guide players, act as if you're lighting an environment and you want to be the person who's playing in the level so that you can you know, show that you're able to what tell people where the important parts are. Um, also showing your ability to work efficiently, have nice optimized scenes. Uh, so if you were to, you know, pop open something during an interview, you can show them how you might've uh, saved some memory, saved some uh, frame rate, that kind of stuff is, you know, it's not as important as making a pretty image, but it's still pretty important. Like people want to know that they can trust that you won't come in and, uh, just YOLO, place tons of shadow casting point lights everywhere and make the frame rate take. They want to know that like you are doing something that is uh, efficient and practical. 
Um, and also when you're applying for jobs, you know, dig into what kind of aesthetic they have, what kind of um, environments they they have and what kind of lighting they typically do. Like if you're going for like an Overwatch type uh, position, you know, they have a, a very stylized kind of Disney-esque um, look for their shading and their lighting. Um, if you're going for something more grounded and gritty and realistic, like Naughty Dog, you know, gear your portfolio towards that stuff. Um, so that's definitely something that's important is making sure that you're crafting what you're presenting to whoever you want to present it to. Um, getting familiar with industry terminology and pipelines. So understanding uh, kind of where you come into the pipeline is important. Uh, typically, level designers will do like a gray box or white box version of the map. So they're just getting layout done. But still, even at that early stage, it's important to start thinking about lighting. So understanding where you come in in the pipeline and how you can help people do their job until it's time for you to go in and really polish is, is good. Um, something else is creating art station for sure. Art station's kind of taken over um, as like a digital platform for you to show your work. Uh, back in the day, people probably use CG society and stuff, uh, which is still like a valid thing to have a portfolio for, but art station is like one of the most viewed websites uh, for this stuff in the world. So, um, and a lot of recruiters go there and actively are checking out people's work to, to recruit. So definitely make an art station account and only post your best work. Uh, you can let go of the stuff that is years old that don't really show that you can light. Like it's good to, to clean that stuff up and only showing your best stuff. Um, and do stuff that's unique too. Like, uh, you know, if you go through our station, sometimes it's pretty fatiguing because a lot of the pieces just look the same. So I would suggest do something that's different. Uh, look at what cinematographers do in feature film and like how they craft scenes in a beautiful way. Check out like Deacons and, uh, Chivo and like those really, really good digital, uh, cinematographers who they know how to light. So try to make something more interesting uh, to make your stuff stand out. Um, as much as possible, try to gear your portfolio to real-time lighting since that's what you're going to get a job in. Like it's cool if you're able to light in Arnold and Renderman too. Um, it shows that you're able to light nicely um, if you have a good portfolio, but it's important to show real-time stuff um, and collaborate with others. There's game jams, contests, um, indie projects you can be a part of where you don't have to compose a whole scene. Uh, you don't have to do something from scratch. You can work with character artists and animators to make it a little cinematic or, uh, you know, work with environment artists to just really craft something that you guys both think is cool. Um, let's see. Also reaching out to recruiters. Um, LinkedIn is a great platform. Um, I have gotten probably like three or four jobs um, through LinkedIn. Uh, and I get offers from there a lot because it's just a great platform where people are able to network what you've done. They can see recommendations. So it's like a great online resume. So definitely using LinkedIn as a tool. Um, and this is something, so like I was saying before, you can download uh, free marketplace stuff. So this is like a Paragon asset. It's like a really high quality character that Epic gave away for people to just practice with and play with. So this is a scene that I composed uh, it's just a simple backdrop and like a cool kind of magenta cyan studio setup. Um, and yeah, this is something I was able to bang out like in a day or whatever. Um, just like having fun setting up different lighting setups. So this is the kind of stuff you can just do really quickly to make your, your portfolio kind of stand out. Use, use the tools that are there. Also, uh, Quixel just made mega scans completely free for Unreal users. So you can use their whole library and just compose simple scenes. And they have, they actually have tutorials on YouTube and stuff on how they compose scenes. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. All right. So, uh, lighting for visual effects and film. Um, so for this, after my job at EA, um, in Florida, there's like no other studios. So I knew I needed to like make a choice, um, like where I was going to go and my wife luckily is super, super awesome. And she was down to move. Um, so I was like, look, everything's kind of in LA. Um, and it was in Canada as well, but in, in the U S mostly is LA and New York. So I was like, I, you know, I enjoy my time at Davis studios so much, uh, cause that was an internship in California, uh, that I was like, let's just go back to California. Like I would love to, to work there. So I kind of moved out there, um, and couch surfed for a little bit on my buddies, on my buddies' couches while my wife, uh, was back at her parents for a little bit. 
Um, and I just kind of hustled. Like I went around and like, I, I wrote tons of recruiters, uh, try to get, uh, you know, jobs, put out my feelers as much as I could. And, uh, one of my buddies that I ended up working with at EA, uh, Rory Jones, he reached out to, uh, one of his friends who was a recruiter at Zoic, uh, Laura Costner, who's, she's really awesome. And she, uh, saw my portfolio and was like, Hey, like we got a, a show coming up. Like, would you want to jump in on that? So my first show in the industry for visual effects was once upon a time, which was like a fun little show. Like it's got like tons of characters and, uh, you know, magical, fantastical things. So it's pretty cool. Like first job, uh, in visual effects. And I met like a ton of cool people there. Um, so something that you do in visual effects, um, a lot of times is just matching plates and plates. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, are just like the practical photography. So it's when they go on set, and shoot actors, um, the plates are what get sent to the visual effects studios and the visual effects studios have to integrate uh, all the CG elements to the plates. So a lot of times you're just looking at how, you know, Robert Downing Jr. is being lit and figure out where his key lights at, figure out where his fill lights are at, all that kind of stuff. And as a base, typically you'll just match that. Um, On set, they'll usually capture HDRs and stuff. So you, you have an understanding of where the lights are at and it's just matching those. And then from there it's iterating. So it's a lot of, you get, you get it to a base. It's the proper lighting for how it was on set. Now you got to make it actually look cool and look nice. So a lot of times you'll have your lighting leads, your supervisors, um, all those guys will have daily sessions. You present your work. So you'll do a lighting pass. You'll slap comp it and slap comping means you just take your, your CG elements and put it over the plate and see like how it integrates. So you'll do a lot of daily sessions where they pull up your screen. Everybody's looking at it on the team. You'll get feedback and you'll get notes. Production coordinators will take those notes down and then you go back to your desk and you try to bang out those notes. You try to, you try to hit it and it's just that iteration. So it's that, that, that loop of do something, render it out, get notes, fix the notes, do something, render it out. Um, And it becomes like a very, clean pipeline uh, eventually. Another thing you do sometimes uh, is look development, which is a lot of shading and and material work. So a lot of my time at visual effects companies has been uh, in a pinch, you know, they might not have time to texture things or things might not have time to go back to texturing. So look development artists can go in and, Oh, let's add some damage here. Let's put some dust here. Uh, The specular roughness isn't responding properly. Can you fix that? So Sometimes lighters are expected to go in there and do some look dev as well. And you work with a ton of other departments. Um, so here's the, what I was talking about with plates. So uh, for the Batman shot, that whole thing is uh, just practical. That's a practical set. But in post, we ended up redoing the whole thing because there's tons of destruction, there's rain, and the action was super intense. Batman crashes through and slams Superman onto the ground. So obviously we didn't want actors to have to do that. Uh, <laughs> and anyways, both, both characters are completely CG and the environment is like a, a CG map painting. Uh, so it's, it was, you know, doing volumetric uh, fog lighting and all that stuff. This isn't a shot that I actually lit. This is uh, a look dev shot that I did. So I, I did all the look development on Batman, but my buddy Daniel lit this shot. Um, but you can just see like, how they use the onset lighting to guide how they let the CG characters make it look more believable. Same with vision and Thanos on the right, uh, practical vision and then fully replace CG vision and, uh, uh, replace Josh Brolin with Thanos, obviously. Um, but you can see here, like we matched the plate, but then we also went in and made it look more interesting. Like the plate was a little bit flat and you couldn't quite see, uh, the emotion on vision's face as much in the plate. So full CG face replacement besides like the teeth and the eyes uh, for vision and Thanos. We, we did stuff like add rim lights, things like that. So you match the plate and then you make it look cool and interesting. Um, and then stuff like this where you have uh, a practical person interacting with a CG object. So uh, Captain America in this shot was actually grabbing, I think a hockey glove <laughs> that Josh Brolin had on his hand or something. And anyways, uh, we had to go in and 
compositing had to do things like reshift his arm placement. Um, we match moved, we match moved, uh, Chris Evans here with a CG digi double and use that to project his hand on and get proper reflections on Thanos's gauntlet. So there's like a lot of technical things that you do, uh, to make these things look more believable and look more grounded. Um, collaboration. So you work a lot with compositing. Uh, those are the people that you give all your render passes to, uh, some places lighting artists are actually expected to, to do the compositing as well. Uh, but in my experience, I've always uh, just passed it to super good compositors to make stuff look way better. Um, you work with animation, layout, v, uh, VFX, texturing, modeling, matte painting, cloth and groom, uh, production coordinators, look development. Uh, it's just a huge, big collaboration. And everything uh, gets assembled in a lighter scene usually. Usually uh, everything gets put together. All the different departments are doing their jobs. And then you assemble a scene uh, that comes in from layout and stuff. Uh, you assemble all the lights and bring everything together. And you're the one who kicks out the renders, make sure uh, passes are separated properly. Um, and then, yeah, there's a feedback loop I kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Um, technical knowledge. So strong understanding of how lights behave is super important. Like knowing like what kind of, uh, you know, how lights decay, uh, proper key to fill ratios for situations, what kind of colors make sense. All that stuff is super important to make things believable. Uh, understanding how to manage scenes and bring things in. You have to do stuff like bring in, Olympic caches from visual effects and animation, uh, being able to do things in a pinch. So I had a shot, for example, uh, with Thanos where he had like some of his muscle penetrating through his shirt or something like that. And that shot was ready to be final. Everything looked good. Um, the only thing was that penetration. So being able to go in there, select some verts and like push it back in through his cloth just for that shot. You, you do stuff like that sometimes. Like they're little band-aid fixes. Um, but if something's really ready to get finaled, sometimes you do that, that kind of stuff just to get it out. Um, being able to diagnose render issues. If you have artifacting, being able to figure out where that's coming from. A lot of times, uh, reflections, refractions, caustics, some, some stuff will look buggy unless you have proper settings. So being able to diagnose where stuff's coming from is important. Uh, breaking out render passes for compositing. So compositors like to have stuff separate so they have full control, being able to separate the foreground and background elements. Um, give them the proper passes so they can tweak things in post. Um, also, uh, using onset data is super important. So, like, here's a picture of me. I was on set for a Super Bowl commercial here, which is super cool. And the gray ball, chrome ball are used to help show you where lights are coming from. So, you're able to recreate uh, where those are lit. Usually, what you do is you'll take a shot uh, of those balls and then you'll play CG balls in the same area where it would be on set and light those until they match. And usually that's kind of your ground truth. You can check your colors, check your intensity. Um, everything's shot full dynamic range. So you're able to, to get accurate lighting information with that stuff. And you also capture uh, proper HDRs there to make sure the lighting's like correct and stuff. Um, so getting a job as a lighting artist, um, I think showing that you can light uh, and integrate stuff with live action stuff is really important because that's a lot of what you'll be doing. You'll be taking a CG robot and putting it in a real environment, or sometimes it could be set extension. Sometimes it's things like we're going to make this look like it's the 1950s instead of a contemporary street. So you're putting in CG background stuff uh, to make it look more, you know, retro or whatever. So I would suggest doing things like that because that's the kind of work you'll be doing. Also, this is a great time to collaborate with other disciplines uh, to do cool stuff. So if you do have someone who's a really dope character artist and a really good animator, put a really good looking robot in a scene or something, put something in there that, you know, will make you stand out and looks professional. Uh, doing difficult shots uh, is good as well. Like the Thanos interacting with uh, Captain America is a good example like making it look like it's believable that someone is interacting with a CG object. You have, you know, in feature films, you have Richard Parker being pet, like the giant tiger from, you know, the movie or whatever. So things like that, things that show practical interaction with a CG element is really good. Um, and again, only show your best lighting work. Uh, you can let go of old student projects and stuff. If they're just not that good, just make new stuff. That's better. And then, 
reach out to recruiters and be willing to do roles that aren't as glamorous. Uh, and that, you know, you'll work your way up. Like I, like I said, like I was doing mostly, mostly rotoscoping work, which if you don't know what that is, it's essentially just tracing objects so they can be pulled out of a plate. Um, so I did a lot of that kind of stuff early on until I got a real job uh, doing lighting. So be willing to do that so you can make connections and make relationships. Uh, you know, don't be too, too proud to take a job like that. Cause at least you'll get your foot in the door. I've also seen people who are uh, at visual effects, effects studios that are runners. Like they'll just go around and like restock the kitchen, do stuff like that. And then they end up getting into like either a lighting Academy or something like that to where they're able to transition into actually doing shots and working as a visual effects artist. So sometimes you have to do that kind of stuff, but you know, it's a way, it's a way in for sure. And another thing is just being willing to move, uh, depending on where you're at. Uh, there's also, there's obviously like big visual effects hubs. Uh, Canada is a big one. Uh, LA it's more commercials and television now, not as many feature films, but LA, New York, uh, London, so Australia, there's like a few hubs. So being willing to work and move to those places, um, you know, it's, it's going to be likely that you'll have to do that. So the core differences between games and, and film, games have heavy constraints for performance. So it's always a balance of quality and perf. Uh, film is all about quality, uh, but deadlines are tight. So things need to be done efficiently. There's a lot of one-off uh, things you have to do to complete shots, kind of like the, the muscle penetration stuff I was talking about. Um, film, you light to the shot. So, you know, there's a locked camera angle and you might have a rim light coming behind a character to make it look more interesting. And then you flip the camera 180 degrees to the other character and he also has a rim light so that you're lighting to the shot just to make it look more interesting, right? Uh, where in games, it's, you know, 360 degrees, the character can go wherever. So you, you kind of have to craft moments more in games than crafting a single shot. So if you know a character is going to come out of a door, you can craft that shot of what they're going to look like when they come out of the door. So there's, there's some control there, but you're, you're completely lighting an environment. I guess working in games as a lighter is a little bit more comparable to working in like feature animation or something. Um, in film, you have typically like a lot more clear direction. There's a lot more like uh, R and D and, and stuff that's been done before you get there. So there's a lot less to figure out. It's more just like, here's your shots. This is what it should look like. You know, let's, let's do it and let's make sure that the sequence is all consistent. Um, wherever you get like fully CG shots though, sometimes you get a little bit more control over how things look there, especially if you're like the sequence lighting lead, you can kind of pop in there and set, establish the look, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess in games, something that's pretty cool, something that I've really liked is that I'm able to experiment a lot more. I'm able to try, try things more. It's not something where I'm constrained to make it look how it looked on set. Um, you know, it needs to look perfectly photorealistic. In video games, you can kind of experiment and stylize things and cheat a little bit more. So it's kind of a little bit more liberating. Um, cultural differences, I'd say... Uh, games is a little bit more laid back. It's a little bit more of a nerdy culture. People, you know, are a lot more likely to play D and D uh, and play video games in the kitchen and stuff. Where in visual effects, it's a little bit more serious. You have a lot more uh, dudes like wearing scarves and stuff, like taking themselves seriously. Uh, I guess a comparison I always say is like at game studios, usually you have dudes drinking like Red Bulls and, and junk food, and visual effects studios, you have dudes drinking like green tea and stuff. Uh, that's a stupid comparison, but anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, if you guys want to connect with me, like I'm always down to, to answer questions. Um, sometimes, uh, sometime in the near future, I plan on doing a lot of tutorials, trying to help people transition, uh, from games and, or from film into games and vice versa. So, uh, if you ever want to talk or reach out, you know, just, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, art station. You can email me as well. Um, if you go to my art station, my, my email's on there. I forgot to list it here. Um, I'll just, uh, the next slide is just my reel. So I guess I can just let this loop while we talk, Brennan. Uh, and if anybody has any questions. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Uh, thanks for, uh, for being part of G-Ducks, dude. And uh, I always welcome 
and like talking to lighters because I, I feel like the, the the next step for graphical fidelity, if Unreal is is any uh, indication, it, it always is leading with lighters and material creation. Uh, it feels like those are the natural steps to kind of elevate our medium to the next level. And uh, even if you're not an artist, even if you're working in other disciplines, it's, it's good for you to kind of get familiar with that. And with your talk too, like being able to kind of... Um, uh, move across industries and, and stay put uh, like in LA, like you, what you've done, right? If, if for some reason the game jobs have dried up, you know, you have a whole other industries to kind of move across without having to, uh, to leave, <laughs> which is a lot right. of the issues that game developer uh, have, you know, the, the, and it, it's the perfect time. I kind of alluded to that uh, before, before the, your presentation where a lot of these industries are opening up for game developers. So, places that we never really, really thought of. And uh, it's exciting to kind of hear your, your take on that, man. Yeah, there's a ton of that stuff now, man. Like uh, even for feature film, uh, there's there's technology. Like I know Leta, they'll bring like light, lighters on set because a lot of times for things like Avatar, they have fully CG environments. So it's good for the director and the director of photography to be able to have an idea of what their shots going to look like at the end. So they'll have onset lighters, you know, doing stuff in a CG environment, like real time stuff. So they can see through the camera, what something might look like. And we talked about it in the, in the last uh, game dev uh, unchained talk about, you know, things like the Mandalorian where they're using real time lighting to light practical actors on set now. So you're using things like um, the projectors and like the onset uh, lighting workflows, super, super cool. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, so uh, this is actually a perfect time for me to kind of remind everyone, if you want to have questions uh, answered directly with uh, Scott, uh, it will be filtered through me because we want to make sure all the good questions go through. But uh, so far, <laughs> we haven't had any bad bad problems with that. So uh, this is a question from uh, Shadow Marnark. So do you make and develop the CGI models as well as a part from the lighting when creating the scene? Uh, typically no. Um, usually like I, I've worked more in, uh, I guess, I guess it depends on the studio. So some studios you're expected to more act like a, a generalist. Usually you'll see that at commercial houses or uh, television. So like when I worked in commercials, uh, you know, I've had to model cars and texture them, um, model, model some assets. So, uh, I guess the answer is, Typically at smaller studios, you will be expected to do some of that stuff. Um, at larger studios or on larger projects, they want your full-time dedicated to, to lighting. Sometimes, like I said, look dev and compositing, but usually it's just lighting. Um, for video games, I think it depends as well, like where you're at. Um, at Turtle Rock, um, I've been doing a little bit of texturing, a little bit of modeling, uh, but usually I'm spending most of my time just doing lighting. Right. So, uh, like, uh, this is more like for me too. Like, um, you kind of mentioned this before where environment artists used to kind of have to kind of take care of everything. Right. You know, I come mm -hmm. from a background of environment art and I have very little knowledge with lighting. Like, uh, you know, the, the most that I do is just turn on the light switch to this motel room. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't really do much <laughs> aside from that. And so whenever <laughs> I talk to my right dude. <laughs> Thanks you dude. Uh, you know, credit to the guys who created this place. But, uh, but that, 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 that is the limitation now I feel where maybe in the PS3 era where environment artists can get away with lighting, uh, the world, but like current generation and most definitely next generation, uh, we can't do that anymore. And the remnants of those type of mentality at studios are, are disappearing. Like there, there may be smaller studios that still think that way, where it's like, Hey, I know a little bit of lighting and placing things here and there. It's like, uh, no, you don't. Right. Right. But I, I feel like that, that is a dying breed and uh, it, it's a fully dedicated, uh, like, you know, where you're coming from a uh, job to kind of make sure that it's it's done correctly and and it's getting more and more complex and complicated as we're we're seeing the you know Unreal Engine 5 demo 
uh, which is actually a good, good, I would want to, would love to kind of hear your thoughts about that. Uh, I'm sure by now you've seen it, right? Oh, dude, I'm so excited. Like I, uh, just the idea of not having to bake light maps and stuff, uh, super exciting. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Having uh, real time global illumination and, uh, sharp shadows on, you know, million billion i think they have a couple billion polygons in their scene is like insane dude so mm-hmm. it's stuff that we've like these constraints uh just being lifted and with that uh time too like not having to bake not having to wait around for stuff yeah. uh being able to completely light in real time and and see exactly what your image is going to look like is a huge time saver like uh there'll be times where i'm at work and i don't really know what something's going to look like until i do a, a production bake so a lot of times I'll do my production bakes before I go to sleep at night and I'll wake up the next morning and see how it was. Uh, but you can imagine like that iteration is super slow. And even with like preview quality bakes for a lot of our environments, it takes like 15 minutes uh, to really see what it's going to look like even at a previews, preview level. So uh, being able to light in real time uh, with it looking that good with like that kind of bounce light and stuff is, is crazy exciting uh, because it's just going to, make things look way better. Artists are going to be able to craft things way faster. Uh, it's going to be able to get art directed way better because you'll be able to have people tweak things uh, next to each other in real time and really like block out what a scene's going to look like. So I'm stoked, man. This is a question from uh, burn. How hard or is easy was the transition from games to film stressful, the change between the two industries with deadlines, etc. Um, there's a little bit of stress. Like it, it's, you know, I, I think you get a little bit of um, imposter syndrome, right? Uh, a lot of times when you're starting something new, so you're like, oh, dude, I don't belong here. These people are freaking pros. You not know? me, bro. But you not pick me. things up quickly. <laughs> yeah. <not me. laughs> it's like, obviously, learn from me, guys. Step back. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, dude, like it's, it's, uh, it can be nerve wracking a little bit, but just get out of your own head and just be dependable and don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, even if it makes you look like a noob, that's okay. Cause you will be a new, like when you're, when you're transitioning, you're, you know, you're just learning a lot of this stuff. Um, try to do as much research as you can and learn stuff before you get that job. But you know, it's okay to ask questions. And even if it makes you look a little dumb, at least you won't mess something up because messing something up makes you look way worse. So if you render something badly or you have the wrong settings or you're not doing things properly within the pipeline, it's going to be way worse than just asking a dumb question. So um, I think as long as, you know, you're willing to, to really dig in and learn, uh, you're going to learn something new at every studio you go to, too. Like even working within film, I've used probably like four or five different renderers and tools because uh, each studio has their own pipeline. So they're not expecting you to know everything about their pipeline because you haven't worked there yet. So it's it's okay to to have that little bit of growth a lot of times they'll have uh, learning programs. Like when I was at Digital Domain, they have really, really good proprietary stuff for Maya that helps lighting just like way, you know, manage things way better than Maya out of the box. So if you can light, uh, you know, using Maya's default stuff, you can definitely light using a studio's proprietary tools because they're making things better and cleaner for artists to come through and stuff. Great. Uh, so this is a question... What are your recommended resources for upcoming lighting artists to learn from? And uh, let's answer that one first. He has two questions. Dude, I, uh, for me, it was a lot of, a lot of tutorials. Like in school, I didn't have a lot of teachers that, that were super familiar with lighting. A lot of them were animators or, or uh, layout artists or something. So yeah, like I, I just went deep on tutorials. Uh, Noman, usually has pretty decent ones. Some of them are dated at this point, but a lot of the the theory and stuff is still really, really relevant. Um, tutorials that I fell in love with early on that probably still hold up today. Uh, Jeremy Vickery is, he's a really, really good lighting artist from Pixar. He put out some Noman DVDs like way back in the day. Um, and that dude's like a double threat. He's able to, to do concept painting and, uh, you know, digital lighting. So he's, he's just a stud. And he's also moved back and forth between film and games. Like he worked at Pixar for a long time. Then I think he was at Naughty Dog, uh, Ubisoft and stuff. So, um, yeah, I would say learn from, from tutorials. Uh, there's documentation. It, you know, I would say be a little bit wary of, of uh, YouTube tutorials because sometimes there's some bad information, but 
also reach out to people, you know, um, I've done mentorships with people in the past, like official mentorships. So, you know, that's something that I might consider in the future. So I could be a resource to help people learn. Um, yeah, reach out to people. Uh, all I can say is dude, leave me alone. <laughs> like try not to pester people. You don't want to be like, a, you don't want to be bugging people about stuff, but a lot of times, uh, people know what it's like to start out. So they're willing to kind of give back and, and help people learn and stuff. Yeah, I think this is a definitely a relative. Um, there's a cool way to social distance before social distancing was cool, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you kind of read the situation. And in, in, uh, at conventions, of anything, it's, um, it's, it's a lot more intimidating to walk up to professionals and you have all these weird um, quirks, right, that you have to work over. But online, I, I think there's a way to kind of compose your message and and, and, and time it correctly and, and come across a little bit safer. Uh, but 100%. Then, yeah. But, you know, the other side of that is it's so it feels so approachable that people go overdo it. Right. Um, and, I, and if anything, I, I always uh, related to how people should sell things. Right. You're selling somebody you're selling yourself essentially to somebody mm-hmm. for a possible mentorship for advice. Um, there has to be an exchange in value somehow, right? There has to be, a, yeah. the more that you can create that benefit for the person you're asking something from and, 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 and giving them uh, some value in return, uh, the better the exchange, um, the, the more invested they will be to kind of help you. So you got to figure that out. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah. you're, you're, you're paying for someone's time at that point. Right. And yeah people get off work, they have families and stuff. So, you know, answering a bunch of questions might not necessarily be what they want to do at that moment. But like you're saying, like if there is like a, some kind of more formal thing, like I know CGMA has really, really good uh, mentorships and programs. So there's stuff where you just, you know, instead of going to school, you might be able to just do something like that. And, you know, it's a little bit of money, but it's worth it uh, for things like that. So. Uh, This is a question from Roberto. Uh, would it be better to have animated models instead of static when doing lighting? Uh, what is the difference? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think having some kind of dynamic uh, movement is important when showing off your lighting just because uh, you're able to see how shadows and reflections are playing off a surface. Seeing the spec highlights and stuff uh, and how they roll off a surface is really important. So if there's no movement, uh, it's hard to see a lot of that stuff. Uh, so screenshots are good, but having like a subtle camera move, like a pan or a tilt, um, just something to show it off. If you can have animation, that's even better. Uh, as long as it's good animation, if you have like really dodgy animation, uh, it's just going to make your whole piece look like shit. So I'd recommend, uh, working with someone who's actually an animator, making sure it's good. Otherwise, uh, just keep it static and move your camera. This is a question from Burn again. Do you see yourself staying in the game industry now or still jumping from games to films? Uh, for now, I'm, I'm really liking video games. Like it, it's, a, it's a little bit more slow paced, I guess. Uh, the, the deadlines aren't as tight. Uh, at least at Turtle Rock, the, the overtime has not been an issue at all. Um, when I was working at other studios in, in television and visual effects, I've done 19, 20 hour days, like two days, three days a week, uh, sometimes. And that's not super typical, but it's not uncommon either. Um, you know, it's a lot of times, especially when things are getting tight with film, you could expect to be doing like 10, 12 hour days pretty regularly. And I'm sure some game studios are the same way. Uh, but at least at Turtle Rock, it's, it's been sick, man. Like we've really been trying to manage scope and, and do things to make it so people aren't working crazy hours. Yeah, I mean, that's, so I'm that's I'm digging scary. games right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is another follow up. They might have missed it, but we can expand it a bit further. Uh, it's the question about Lumen using uh, within Unreal Five. So, um, when I had Ray on last week, who's a graphic engineer, we were kind of talking about because if anything, that demo kind of kind of baffled a lot of game devs. Like, how exactly what what are they doing? Right, because they haven't shared too many of the behind the scene of how it works, right? Uh, mm-hmm. With you working on a lot of engines, proprietary engine and Unreal, I would love to kind of hear more of your thoughts behind the tech behind it. Um, if, if it's something that 
what you're guessing, how it works, how optimized it is, and how realistic it, it's going to be used across all studios? Dude, it's it's really hard to say because they had so many dynamic things uh, in the scene. So like you had like dynamic effects. I don't know if it was their Niagara system or what, what their effect system was they were using, but yeah. a lot of effects and things that were following that also were receiving global illumination. So like it was like legit. It seemed like it was legit real-time GI. Um, and how they're accomplishing that, I'm honestly not sure. I don't know if they do like a... I'd assume they would do like a pre-computation of the scene. So figuring out what objects are static and what's and what's movable and able to, you know, at least ha- have the, the renderer know where things are at so that if a light does hit the surface, like what would be the proper bounce response? So I, I'm sure there's some kind of pre-computation where it knows like this area is terrain. This is not going to move. This is, you know, static. And then it kind of stores that, I imagine. Um, a lot of times, uh, at least... Traditionally, there's, you know, spherical harmonic probes have been the solution for lighting like dynamic GI, like faking dynamic GI. And essentially those are just capture points of lighting data that interpolate between each other. So you'll do like a big career scene and then those probes all know uh, where things are coming from and they can light movable objects and stuff like that. It's kind of like the uh, the volumetric light maps in Unreal Engine. Um, so there's... There's been fakes in the past. Uh, Enlighten is like a pretty solid one that that does you know real time GI, but I haven't seen it look as good as that UE five demo did. Like that thing was looking real juicy, dude, real tasty. So yeah, I uh, my max resolution in the house is on a four K, so I watched that like five times just to yeah nitpick <laughs> and and study and and froth at the mouth, right? Um, how do they like that's one of the things they haven't shared too many details not not a lot of people know we're all guessing really and it's not just the lumen system it's their uh nanite nanite system you know the Mm -hmm. polygonal how they're reading it per pixel and stuff because yeah they're changing the complete way things are are textured and everything dude like there's like no mips and stuff anymore apparently like it's like it's crazy now so uh and that shit was on a PlayStation 5. It like wasn't even on a beefy PC. It's on a PS5. So it's yeah. it's pretty crazy, man. I'm excited. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It, it seems like it's very doable because they wouldn't they can't lie to us this early. I mean, this late before a launch, right? So Nanite and Lumen, right? There's like, oh, this programmer in the corner finally came up with this. It's like, now that I have money, I'll, I'll work harder. Um, yeah. But it, it's definitely exciting. And um, as an environment artist, it, it feels like a very natural step for, for, for people like me to kind of like, all right, let's, let's kind of like go outside of my comfort zone and, and, and at least understand um, this a little bit more so I can talk to you guys to that department and look kind of, uh, relevant and not so dumb, but I, I encourage well, all the other disciplines as well to think the same because, like you said, lighting affects everything, animation, visual effects. I mean, you guys are one of the last people in there uh, before mm-hmm. shipping, so you, you touch pretty much everything, and so every department needs yeah. to be able to communicate with you. And it's super important to show off your work too, right? Like if you're a prop artist or a character artist. Um, you want to show all those details off that you've put into your, your piece the best way you can. So learning how to light is important for everybody, I think. Um, and, you know, traditionally things like mental ray, uh, was, you know, pretty much hot garbage and stuff. And there's like all these weird tricks you had to do to make it look good. But now with things like Arnold uh, and re- even render man's wrists uh, renderer, there's things that are just like so much better out of the box, like they behave better out of the box. But there's still so like the tools and the light behavior, all that stuff is a lot more accessible for people to use now. Um, but there's lighting theory and fundamentals that people need to research as well. Like compositionally, you know, what makes sense for for lights, you know, uh, like how are we showing things off? How are we shaping things? So just because the tools are getting better doesn't mean that everybody can light. I think uh, if you're interested in lighting, you should definitely study photography and study film and see how people like masters have done it in the past, even like old paintings, like Rembrandt paintings and stuff. Like a lot of the mood and stuff is coming from how the lighting and the the shadows are, are painted. So 
Uh, cool. This is a question from Amit, a moderator. Oh, man, hopefully I'm saying your name right. I don't. I don't think I ever actually say your name out loud. Uh, what is the hardest part in in lighting for you? And what should people? Well, this is a follow up for me. Is like what should people concentrate uh, for the next couple of years to kind of be at the at the top of the game? Uh, I think probably just you know trying to create something that feels grounded and believable and still looks beautiful. You know, like I think, I guess it's a lot of things, right? Like it's, it's hard to make something look grounded and, and believable. Uh, so, you know, using things like real world reference, uh, figuring out how, how light behaves in real life. You know, I, I go around and I just look at stuff all the time. Like, Oh, that's interesting. The way the, windows are bouncing the light off that skyscraper, you know, like there's weird phenomena that happen with how light behaves and just studying that stuff and trying to recreate that can be hard sometimes without it looking cheesy or weird or whatever. So I think, you know, just studying stuff from real life as much as possible, even if you're doing a stylized game, it's still important to know like how light decays and how you can, how you can use certain tools that happen in real life, like caustics from water, stuff like that uh, to make things feel more grounded and believable. Um, so I, I think that's something that takes time and it takes a lot of just researching and stuff. So, yeah. Great, man. And uh, this is actually a perfect time to to tell everybody that uh, they're, they're pretty active in Discord and we can spend all day talking to you for sure. But uh, again, I'm, I want to be respectful. You see that, guys? Social distancing. Uh, <laughs> my approach to you. So uh, if Scott, you know, if you don't um, mind, you know, uh, he'll, he'll be in the Discord channel to kind of follow up to kind of answer and talk to you guys uh, moderately, right? Because he is busy and and uh, we'll, we'll answer some of those questions for you for sure. I want to thank you, man, for, for coming on and hope everything is, is going well for, for you and your family and friends and everybody. Uh, we, li- we live pretty close, but I haven't seen you guys over at Totoro for a long time and it's just I know man we miss you bro yeah of course you do (laughs) yeah thanks for having me on yeah of course we can play some basketball soon too man yeah yeah just come to the motel room at any point and we'll we'll hang out yeah you got some hoops back there right I got a hoop (laughs) I got I got a hoop over over the last two months because I wasn't going anywhere I was the gym is still closed and it was uh, getting kind of bonkers yeah man well, cool, bro. Thanks for having me on, dude. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, uh, before I send you off, let's kind of maybe throw up your your slide once again with all your contact information. And sure uh, I'll hand over the mic to you. And this is a place for you to go ahead and, and shout out, give attention to, or tell people where they can find you and connect with you after this presentation. Yeah. So, um, like I said, feel free to, to add me on any of these. And if you guys have more questions or whatever, like I'm always kind of open to, to talking to people, especially if they have questions pertaining to this. If you guys just want to talk about, you know, the weather and stuff, that's cool too. But uh, if you have like lighting questions and stuff, you know, definitely hit me up. Um, yeah. And just shout out to all the people who've helped me in my career. Really. I've had so many really, really good artists that I've worked with and leads and supervisors um, people who have really helped me flourish and grow. So I just want to give a shout out to everybody that I've worked with. Really, I, I've been super, super fortunate, and haven't really had anybody that I don't like working with. Like I've had really, really, really good teams for like every production I've been on. Um, so I would just say, as like a closing point, just you know, reach out to people. Uh, really be dependable. Be the person that people want to give a task to because you can just knock it out and it won't be a problem. Uh, try to really listen to notes and address them. Uh, like people don't like giving the same note twice. So if someone gives you a note on a piece, uh, you know, make sure you fix it and you hit it. Um, and just, yeah, try to soak up as much knowledge as possible. It's good to know, at least at a fundamental level, what every other department's doing that you'll be affecting. Uh, so just, yeah, try to try to learn and, you know, keep growing.
thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail future, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody